Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So today, in our deeper series, I'm going to talk about deeper prayer. And if you're like me, prayer uh, in, at one time in my life was extremely awkward. I'm I work up here, I'm intellectual, never the smartest person in any room I go in, um, even if there's five-year-olds in it, and uh, (laughs) never the smartest guy. But I work up here, right? And so prayer was the most awkward thing in all the world to me. And there was a time in the early pastorate that I had where I just thought, you know what, Gina can pray. She'll do the praying. Uh, She was good at it. And I thought, I'll raise up other people to pray but it's just not my thing because it's just awkward, right? Especially if you, you go up here more than down here, right? And, uh, but then over time, I realized, oh my goodness, I can pray. It's not that complicated. And I became very uh, influential and good in prayer, right? So if I can do it, I guess I'm saying anybody can learn to pray. And I love to study some of the old men of God that were really powerful, had powerful ministries and uh, one was Charles Spurgeon, right? He was just amazing. And he, he pastored in the late 1800s in London and Metropolitan Tabernacle. And he had this huge, huge church. Um, here's a picture of his building. Still there today, the outside, the inside. It sat 5,000 people, and then they had 1,000 uh, standing room, and he'd pack it out at 6,000, late 1800s. That would be a mega church today. It was a super, super duper mega church back then. And uh, people would come from all over the world to visit. And he liked to give the tours. And uh, so he'd give a lot of the tours. And whenever he gave a tour of the church, he would say to them, I want to show you the boiler room first. And they thought, why does he want us to see the room that produces heat? And he says, it's in the basement. He'd take them in the basement. He'd open the door. They'd expect to see boilers, right? And there would be over 100 people in there praying. And he says, this is where all the heat comes for services, right? He says, we pray uh, for God to move in the services. And they say that he prayed uh, or he taught about two hours. Can you imagine that? But here's what's crazy. They said that during his two-hour message, no one got up at all, not even the young people. And nobody got up for two hours, and I thought, either they had better bladders back then, or there's something going on, right? And so I've read some of his sermon notes. You can find some of his sermon notes, and they weren't that great. Um, I thought, it's not that great, Uh, but they call him the Prince of Preachers, but then I realized, well, that's because God wrapped it, and I'm sure he said way more than was on his notes, but God wrapped it. There was just power in what he did. And I love this quote from from Charles. Um, It goes like this. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We can plead to God in prayer, right? We cannot all be mighty in speech, but we can all be powerful in prayer. And every one of you, every Christian can be a pleader. You can cry out to God and ask God to move over here, move over there. We can all be powerful in prayer. Well, there's another guy. I love his name. You'll see his name in just a moment. He lived in the late 1800s. He was more of an evangelist, you know, and he would have over 100,000 people come to hear him speak. Can you imagine that? And they would come from everywhere to hear this man speak. And so listen to this. Uh, 
It says, the great evangelist Gypsy Smith, don't you love his name, was once asked about the secret of revival. He replied, go home, take a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, then pray, oh Lord, revive everything inside this circle. And I thought, this is good advice. So this past week, I was riding my stationary bike, and I'll pray while I'm on it at home, you know. And so I'm riding my bike, and, I, and, and this quote came to my mind, and I just said, Lord, revive everything on this bike. And then the power of God dropped, and I fell off the bike. No, nothing, nothing, <laughs> no, nothing big. But, you know, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, one of the letters, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if you open up, I'll come and sup with you. He's writing that to Christians. And so I really believe part of our prayer life should be, God, revive me. God, open up my heart. Help me open up my heart so you can come in and you can do what only you can do. So prayer is just so powerful. I have a big idea, guys, for this lesson. It's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. It goes like this. When we pray, God works. And that's what you want to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. When we pray, God works. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And if some of you, again, you're sitting there thinking, well, I guess I'm here. I can't get up because, you know, Pastor Joni goes a half hour. So if I get up, that's not good, right? I'm telling him he has no anointing on what he's saying. But, but, but guys, no, no, listen, listen. God's not a genie in the lamp. We'll find that out. But the sovereign God, he says in his Bible... In your New Testament and Old Testament, he says, if you pray, I'll work. He says, prayer is not a fruitless exercise that I gave you to perform to determine whether or not you're faithful. Prayer is the vehicle that releases God to move in the earth. It's powerful. He wants to move in your families. He wants to move amongst your loved ones, your kids, your grandkids, your parents. Everybody you can think of, God wants to move in their lives, and you and I can pray to release him to move at a higher level. I like this scripture, James 5.16. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, could be a man or a woman, can accomplish much when put into action. That means when you pray, listen to this, and made effective by God. God's the one that's going to work. He makes it effective. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. This is just simple prayer. And I love the example he gives. Uh, James 5.17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So he stood in the office of a prophet, but he was a human being. Listen to this. With the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. So he's just like us. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced crops as usual. So, guys, he's not saying we can control the weather, right? So, please, don't think that we can control the weather. This was a special time. Israel was totally backslidden. Jezebel was uh, perverting Israel, getting them to worship idols. King Ahab, her husband, was allowing her to. Elijah's going and telling him, you need to stop. You need to go back to God. And then I, I'm sure God dealt with him, and he prayed it didn't rain for three and a half years. Isn't that crazy? And, and it didn't rain, then he prayed for it to rain, then he, it rained. You and I can't do that, but guess what we can do? We can say, God, I want you to spiritually reign on my life, 
my family's life on this valley. I want you to reign in Mahoning County, Trumbull County. We're talking about spiritual reign, the Holy Spirit falling, convicting people that they're sinners, the Holy Spirit falling on us and drawing us closer to God. We can pray for spiritual reign, guys, and you don't have to be super duper. Just a man, just a woman can pray. So I came up with just some different things that deep prayer can do just to encourage all of us. And here's my first one. Deep prayer prays at all times. And that doesn't mean you pray 24 hours a day, but listen to this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It just simply says, pray without ceasing. So I'm going to show you two things. First this and then another about praying at all times. And in my early pastorate, I'd be going through my day, minding my own business, and somebody would come to mind, and I'd just think of a person. Sometimes it was someone I haven't seen for years. Sometimes it was someone I know very well. They'd just come to my mind, and I would, here's what I would do with it. i think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why they came to my mind. Hope they're doing okay. And then as I grew in God, I realized, oh, that's the Holy Spirit bringing them to my mind because he wants me to pray for them. And so I began to pray for those people when they came to my mind, and it was the most amazing thing. Because I'd, I'd say, Father, I don't know why they came to my mind. It's very random, but I'm going to lift them up, and I'd begin to pray. And then I'm spirit-filled. We'll talk about it a little uh, before we close. And, and then I would pray in the Spirit over them. And then with a few of them, and this always happens, I, I would know I need to contact them. So I'd contact them. And I say, hey, I prayed for you this week. I don't know why, but um, I just want you to know you were prayed for. And then if I was in person and I told them that, sometimes tears would come down their eyes. If, if it was a phone call, there would be a hesitation. And I say, is everything okay? And then they'd, they'd say, you have no idea what I was going through this week. I can't believe you prayed for me. Why did you pray for me? I go, oh, wait, wait, wait. I am not that spiritual. You just popped in my mind, so I thought I should pray for you. So I, I guess God popped you in my mind, right? And some of you, God will use you that way. And so whenever you see a problem, you just pray, right? You pray for people. If you know someone's going through something, you just whisper. It's just whispering prayers, right? Here's the second way, and all of us can do this, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. All right, what do I do instead of worrying or anxiety? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts, I like that, and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I love this one because the Bible's telling us, guys, instead of worrying... Instead of anxiety, every time you have something you could worry about, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to lift it up in prayer. Lift it up in prayer. Give it to God. And the literal Greek says for verse 7, and then the peace of God which supersedes your understanding, your mind, where you're worrying, 2 plus 2 equals 4. So I, I need to worry about that because 4 in this case is not good. I should be worrying. So Peace comes up out of here. It supersedes that. And guess what? You, you walk in peace when you shouldn't have any peace whatsoever, right? You should have no peace at all. And the Bible says when you give God your worries, he's going to give you something very precious. It's called peace. And if you've accepted Christ, your very nature, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace, and then the Holy Spirit of peace lives in you. And it just flows up, and it, it gives you this thing called peace. So 
deep prayer praise at all times. So I want to encourage you, man. Just lift those prayers up. Whisper them. You'll see God do great things. Here's the second thing. Uh, deep prayer praise at set times. And I think this is really, really important, guys. Um, all of us should have a set time. Obviously, I should pray a lot because I'm Pastor Joe, right? And I'm responsible to pray over this flock, right? Boardman, Warren, traditional, uh, TCI, online community, TV community. So I should pray a lot. But what if you, if you're not already doing this, what if you picked one day a week and get up a half hour early or at night, you know, notch out when the kids go to bed or whatever, a little time at night, just once a week, and you made a prayer list and you just went down it. Guys, that's a set time. And if you develop a set time, just that simple discipline, guess what? Every time you pray, when we pray God works, you're going to begin to release God to do amazing things in your life and other people's lives simply as you pray. And then I would encourage you, if you don't have a prayer partner, find one. And then I'd encourage you, find one of our prayer groups, right? You see the graphic behind me? Now, our, our deeper prayer groups won't start again till February. Here in January, we have our deeper groups. So you see that the deeper groups, guys, they're going to take whatever I teach, um, and, and they're just, they have six points, and you're going to talk about it. So that will be going on today, right after second service. It goes on in traditional right after their 10 o'clock service. So if you have some freedom, you want to stop, you'll be blessed. But if you want to find out about our prayer groups, Saturday morning prayer group, guys, let me tell you about it. I started, I think I led it for 15 years on Saturday morning. And then I just felt a release. And I had so many good prayer warriors. Um, I decided they don't need me anymore. These guys know how to pray. And so Brent Mager took over it. And now he's snowbirding it. Hi, Brent. He's, uh, he's in warm weather down south. Um, but he has so many leaders in that group that lead. It's amazing. So it's charismatic, but they pray every Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. But let me tell you this. When I led it for those 15 years, we'd have people come in that had never prayed before, and it was awkward. Within a couple months, they were doing segments of prayer. That's how proficient they came. They became amazing. So it's good to have a set time, right, and to just keep growing in prayer. Find someone you know to praise. Here's my next one, guys. I like this one, too. Deep prayer, praise God's word. And this is, this is so powerful. I'm going to look at a controversial scripture, uh, and I think it's controversial because we use it the wrong way, and maybe it's been taught by some the wrong way, but it's really powerful. Uh, how many of us believe that if Jesus says something, it, it, we should give some heed to it, right, if Jesus taught it? He said this in Mark 11:24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And this is... I prayed this a lot of times and it, it hasn't worked. So I've had prayer fa failures. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I want you to notice something. He says you have to believe you receive it and it will be yours. It is impossible for you to believe you receive something from God unless you can find a promise where he's promised it to you. It's impossible. So he's not saying God's a genie in the lamp and you tell him what to do. You rub the lamp, God, I need you to do this, do that. No, you find a promise and you pray those promises. That's how you can believe you received. Now, guys, look at it again. This is you praying for you. 
It's not you praying for someone else. It's you praying for you. Now, the exception to that is, is any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. We'll be praying in Borman and in Warren after service, right? And let them pray the prayer of faith over them. And the prayer prayed in faith uh, releases Jesus to move in their lives. Right? God, but primarily this is you praying the promises of God for yourself. And I want to share some verses with you that will help you with this because we all had prayer failures. Sometimes we have prayer failures because we should be praying intercessory prayer over someone as opposed to this prayer. This prayer is for you or if you're praying for someone that comes up for prayer. So listen to a couple verses. This is so cool. James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Now, I like that. God says, you don't have to be perfect, and I'll still answer your prayer. That's what he's saying. And it will be given to you. So uh, let's keep that up. Here's the context. They're going through persecution. We, we found out they were also backslidden last week, right? And God says, if you need wisdom, wisdom is, God, what do I do in this situation? So if you're a parent, we, we, parents need wisdom at all times, right? And I remember when our kids were young, there were times when, do I give them a timeout? What do I do? They're so strong-willed. How do I handle this? You know, all kinds of ways that we don't know what to do. Let me ask you a question. You're looking at that verse. Did God promise to give you wisdom? Is it a promise? He said he'll give it to anybody that asks. That's pretty cool. But it's interesting. James was Jesus' half-brother. He didn't believe in him until Jesus was raised from the dead. But, but uh, he must have listened in on some of the sermons because listen to the very next verse. It says in verse 6, but when you ask... You must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a, a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That's pretty strong. I think it's kind of mean. I would have said it different, but it's the way James chose to say it, right? He, he was a tough in-your-face guy. But guys, listen, listen. Verse 5 says it's a promise. God promised it. So you can pray the word. Say, God, you said, I can have wisdom. Give me wisdom. But then he's still saying, uh, we, we must believe, right? You have to ask, believing you received. So whenever there's a promise, he says, that's the way we need to pray. So think about this promise over in Philippians. Um, it, it says that God will supply all your needs according to his resources. So if you have a financial need in your life, did God promise? Did he promise to fill that need? He did. Did he promise to give you wisdom? He did. So you can believe you receive it if you can find the promises, right? And we live in the age of Google. So guys, you can Google anything. You can say, I want to see the promises for this, these things. And every promise in the Bible will come up for that. And you find out the word of God, and then you begin to pray the word of God. Deep prayer prays the word of God. Jesus had the same sermon in a different way in the book of John. Listen to this, John 15, 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Right? That's where you find all the promises. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, can we all agree, whatever you wish has to be found in the Bible, right? So you find his promises, and you just ask him, right? I remember when we were in Bible school, and I, I had friends that were praying for a wife, and uh, they saw a girl they were attracted to, and then they would, they would use this scripture in Mark eleven twenty four. They say, God, I believe I receive her, right? And, uh, 
And then, then it didn't work and they'd be all upset. And I'd say, well, can you find a scripture for that? I don't know, there's a scripture that you're gonna marry that person, right? And uh, so we can take it out of context, but what's Jesus saying? If it's in the word, you can pray it. So now I wanna show you, in my opinion, one of the most controversial and mistaught verses in the Bible. And here it is. The first verse isn't, 1 John 5, 31. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. That's not controversial. If you believe in Jesus, he gave you the gift of eternal life. That means you go up instead of down, right? Listen to verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That word confidence is a big word. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, but it has to be according to his will, right? We know that we have whatever we asked of him. So keep that up for me, guys. So this has been taught, I think, incorrectly. You have to decide for yourself. And I think people use it incorrectly. So can I give you an example? Can we all agree wisdom was promised to you and it's the will of God? He wants to give it to all, right? So if you were to pray, God, I don't know how to handle this situation. Give me wisdom but not my will, your will be done. Would that be correct? You're saying then it's random. You're saying uh, it's a moving target. And you don't know. Today, God might want to give you wisdom. Tomorrow, he might not want to. I think you'd be incorrect in praying that. If God promised it, the sovereign God said, I want to give you wisdom. I'll give it to anybody. I won't judge you. He says, I give it to all then you don't have to say if it be thy will, right? If he said, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory, you know that's the will of God, right? So I don't think you pray if it be thy will. I think this is what God's saying. Find out his will before you pray. Look in the word of God and find out what he's promised you and find out what his will is. And then notice again, this is the confidence we have. You can't have confidence unless you know his will ahead of time. Uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay, so I have to ask according to your will. Okay, now notice this. And if we know that he hears us. So you're supposed to know ahead of time that he heard you. Well, how can you know ahead of time that he heard you unless you know what his will is ahead of time, right? So I know it's God's will to give me wisdom. So I'm gonna pray for wisdom, all right? So uh, deep prayer, praise God's word. It's just so powerful. Now, guys, I have had a lot of prayer failures. I'm sure some of you have. And just think about it. If, if prayer moves God, right? If God works when we pray, would the enemy want you or I to stop praying? Yeah, he wants you to be so discouraged and not pray ever again. And so, so many of us have had prayer failures that we just stop praying and that's what the enemy wants. So you've heard me say this before if you've been around here. I think we should take on the attitude of a professional baseball player. So what's the attitude of a professional baseball player? Well, the all-stars, these are the best of the best professional baseball players. Their batting average is 280 to 320. So let's just say we have a 300 batting average. You know what that means? That means three out of 10 times they get to base. Three out of 10 times. That means seven out of 10 times they fly out, they strike out, or they're tagged out. Seven out of 10 times. That, to me, that's not that good. But it's good for human beings because they have those pitchers just flying the ball at them, right? So, so think about that. They keep going back to the plate and they keep swinging, right? And what's God saying to us? Hey, if you've had a failure, 
just keep going back and praying. And when I've had failures, I say, God, I don't know if it's me. I don't know what happened. I could care less. Just grow me. Open up my eyes. But I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to keep on praying because prayer is the thing that allows you to work. And we saw that in the Word of God. So there's a good example um, I want to share with you. It has nothing to do with prayer, but I think the principle is the, sh- it's the same, right? So you have these three Hebrew uh, guys that were captured, taken to Babylon, Meshach, Rachak, and Abednego. And uh, Daniel wasn't around for this story. And uh, most theologians believe uh, King Nebuchadnezzar sent him on state business. He was somewhere else when all this happened. And I think that's when they thought we can get rid of these other Jews because Daniel's not here, right? And they made a big statue, statue of King Nebuchadnezzar out of gold. And they said, when you hear the music, you have to bow down and worship him. These three Hebrew children said, we're not going to do that. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes to talk to them. He makes, he makes the furnace seven times hotter. And take a look at this, Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. So keep that up. Guys, does that look pretty confident to you? It's like, we're going to be rescued, so throw us in. It doesn't matter. God's going to rescue us. But I love what they said next. Take a look at the very next verse. But even... If he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And I love this, but even if he doesn't. And I think that needs to be our attitude also with prayer, right? Because we need to say, even if it's not answered, I'm not bowing down to discouragement. I'm not bowing down to quitting. I'm going to keep praying because prayer releases God to move. It releases God to work. And I think we have to have that same attitude. Don't stop praying, guys. Pray God's word. Deep prayer, praise God's word. Google search, find out what he promised, begin to pray it. You'll grow in it. And here's my last one. I like this one. Deep prayer can pray God prayers. And this is really, really powerful. What's a God prayer? It's God praying through us. So I'm charismatic. I'm spirit-filled. And some of you are like, wow, you're not weird. And you're spirit-filled. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Can you all agree I'm not weird? I'm very much not weird. Um, Very normal. You can put me anywhere and nobody will say I'm weird. Nobody. Um, So not a weird guy, um, but I'm spirit-filled. And most of you know my story. Some of you are newer. I want to share my story, all right? Uh, I had this guy witness to me three months, Lou, and I made fun of him. And then around three months, I softened up. He said, turn on a Christian TV show. I turned on a Christian TV show. At the end of the show, I knelt down, prayed, accepted Christ. And then I took the Bible that Lou had given me. I had never read a Bible in my life. Think about that. And I opened up to 1 Corinthians 12. It's like Bible roulette. But I just opened it up. I read chapter 12, which talks about the gifts of the Spirit and other tongues. Read chapter 13 on love. And I kept reading. I read chapter 14. And I could not stop. I just read it over and over. And here's what happened. I had this desire in here to speak with other tongues. I never heard a message on it, was never brainwashed about it. And I I just said, God, I don't know what these are, but I'd like them. Looks like I can have them. I'd like them. And I'm brand new. I don't know how to pray. I just said, I like these things. Nothing happens. Luke comes to work out, and he comes late, 
And so I pull him in my office. I show him these things. I said, what are these things? We'll talk about it some other time, buddy. We'll just, he goes, I got to go get my work hat. So uh, I lock up. He's the last one in. He's in the locker room. I'm pacing in my office, and I'm going, God, I don't know what these tongues are, but I'd like them. I'm just pacing. And then something fell from heaven. I had no idea what it was. I'm intellectual, so it freaked me out. But it almost knocked me over. So I grabbed the countertop. I heard these words I never spoke in my head. I felt a, felt a pressure down here. And then I just let the cork out. And I, I began to pray in other tongues. It freaked me out. I don't know what to do with it. I just asked for it, but I thought, I didn't know it was going to be like this, God. It's kind of freaky. And uh, I run in the locker room. I go, Lou, are these tongues? And he said, yeah, they are. I didn't know you were spirit-filled, but I found out at that moment. So then I drive home, and I'm praying in the spirit, half hour from Boardman to Holland, praying in the spirit all the way. And then I'm having prophecy or interpretation, whichever one it was. I went to bed freaked out that night. I woke up the next day, and I said, maybe that was a dream. And then I tried, and I could speak in tongues. I go, oh, my God, I don't know what this is. i got to learn about it. It took me years to learn about it. Um, now, my brother Tony was the opposite. He's even more cerebral than I am, and it took him months, and he didn't have anything spectacular. I don't know anyone that received like I did. But, guys, I think I had a special call to reach my family. I think that's what God did it. But typically, it's not going to be that way. But I want to just share, show some verses. Some of you grew up learning it's not for today, and that's okay. Here at Believers, you... you we're not going to condemn you, you but I, I think I owe it to you to tell you, hey, this is in the Bible. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 2. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So he's telling them how to act in a service like this, right? Um, For he who speaks in a tongue or another tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, howbeit in the spirit. So notice how they, they call speaking in tongues in the spirit. Uh, he speaks mystery. So when you and I pray in tongues, it's, it can be for a sign for unbelievers, right? But this is talking devotional where we're literally praying or speaking to God. And I like the way Paul says it here, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue or another tongue, my spirit prays. Now that would be cool, but the, the Amplified brings out the Greek, my spirit by the Holy Spirit. Now that makes it powerful. Here's why, guys. Your spirit is like your head. It doesn't know what's happening. It doesn't know what's going on in someone else's life. It doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But the Holy Spirit, he knows what's going on in everybody's life, and he knows what's going to happen two weeks down the road. So if he's praying through you, whoa, that makes it powerful. Listen to this. If I pray in another tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit uh, prays, but my understanding, my mind is unfruitful. What, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit or... The, my spirit by the Holy Spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit by my, the Holy Spirit, and will also sing with my understanding. And so he says, pray the word, but then he said, here's another way to pray. And some of you may be, have been being stirred. You might want to learn more about it, so we want to give you an opportunity. Listen to verse 18. I, Paul, thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So he was a tongue talker, guys, and he wasn't weird. You can surely see that as he writes. Verse 19, yet in the church or a church service, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in another tongue. So aren't you glad I stood up here and spoke English today, right? It's a prayer language. He's telling us 
If he speaks in tongues more than everybody, that's not just for a sign, right? That's a devotional language, and it's so powerful. And I remember when we first started Believers, the first 10 years, guys, and I'm embarrassed to say this, right? First 10 years, I would do my altar call like I always do, and then I would do an altar call for this and say, if you want to be spirit-filled. And then people would go in a back room, and then uh, people would pray for them without them knowing anything and, uh, and scare the heebie-jeebies out of them. And, and so about six weeks ago, I was in our lobby here at the Warren campus, and, and a wonderful two ladies came up, and one of them said, uh, I think it was 20 years ago or so, she visited believers, and we did that. She answered. She goes, I didn't even know what I was answering for. And she goes back to her. She said, you scared me so much. I haven't been here for 20-some years. She goes, and now, she goes, now you're normal. She goes, I appreciate you being normal. I said, you're welcome. We, got, we became normal. But, but guys, listen, we found a better way to do it, and we have way better results. So we do a connect group. Pastor Bill does it. You see it on the screen behind me. It's called The God I Never Knew. And uh, you see the different times up there. So he'll be in the West Lobby here in Warren if you want to sign up. Uh, Boardman, you don't even have to drive here. He's doing some online, right? And uh, when you're hungry for it, he goes through this beautiful book. And uh, you can come find out if you're interested. You can learn more about it. And we have had more people filled uh, because we do it this way. I think it's a smarter way. Let me tell you a little bit about this book, The God I Never Knew. It was written by Pastor Robert Morris. And he went to a seminary where they said this was no longer for today. None of the gifts are for today. And so he was pastoring thinking it wasn't for today. Then he was spirit-filled. And here's what's so cool about the book. Um, when someone like him writes a book like that, he knows every argument there is. And, and it's just a powerful book. So you can go to that group or you can buy the book. Or if you go to YouTube and put The God I Never Knew, you can hear him preach that sermon. It's on YouTube for free. And so you just, if you want to learn more, I want to make sure you learn more. Pastor Bill will be in the lobby again. Um, you can go to our church app or believers.cc and you can sign up for these groups there. Guys, I have had a blast. Let me ask you a question. Um, are you glad when we pray God works? I don't know about you. I am can we give it up and say thank you, God, that you work when we pray? I'm excited about it. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's stay just in an attitude of prayer in Borman, TCI, guys, online. And if you're listening today, man, I really believe God wants to speak to you right now about you praying the word of God, you praying at all times. Some of you, he might be dealing with you. Hey, I want to find out more about God praying through me. But would you just, as your heads are bowed, would you let God know what you want? God, I want to become more proficient in prayer. God, I want to learn how to pray your word, whatever it is. Maybe some of you are saying, God, I need to get back to the plate and keep swinging. Maybe that's what's going on in your life. Just let God know. Pray. And then maybe you're in this room, you're in Boardman, you're TCI, you're online. You say, you know what, Pastor Joe? You said we receive eternal life when we believe in Jesus. I'm ready to believe in Jesus right now. I want to pray and accept Christ. The Bible says he died. God raised him from the dead, and he's alive. He died for the sins of the whole world. Whoever receives him will, will not perish, but receive everlasting life. If you're listening, you say, that's me. Would you pray with me right now? Everybody else, can we help them pray? Borman, Warren, uh, TCI, just let's help them pray. And if you're praying this for the first time, simply mean it. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained, and I need a Savior. 
I repent of all my sins. And this day, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Jesus, I believe. I call you Lord. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at Believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.